maybe to a place concerning that life, and you'll see some things that maybe you've never seen before, and it will help you then, and this will be our goal, that you will be able to more effectively reign in life through Christ. First, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of eternal life. What an awesome gift. Your very own life you've imparted to us through Jesus, your son. And now this morning, as we've gathered in your presence, change our hearts, just like we sang so wonderfully a few moments ago. Change our hearts that we might be led by your spirit to a new place and a new day. A new day in you, a new place in you. That's where we want to go. So I believe that song is prophetic. Spirit of God, take us to a new place. Take us to a new day in you where we will enjoy your life beyond that which we've ever experienced before. May this be a landmark day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Reigning in life through Christ. We'll get to that scripture uh, in a few minutes. We'll actually see it in the Bible. Because you might be thinking, wow, this guy, that's weird. Reigning in life. Where's he going? Well, we're going to go to the Bible. That's where we're going to go. I don't have anything else and no other interests in sharing with you today other than what God's word says. I don't come with opinions. Uh, I don't come with necessarily anything new. I just come with God's word. And the good news is I stay loaded. We've had a lot of difficulty in our life this year since we've seen you last. Um, both Rhonda's parents went to be with Jesus this past summer uh, within 50 days of each other. Uh, we've been believing God that uh, they could be with him just as soon as he would have them be with him and because of other things they were experiencing and suffering, etc. And they both went to be with the Lord within 50 days. But those were things we had to deal with. Uh, both of our children, our son and our daughter, uh, have went through a divorce since we've seen you last. And the good news is Jesus has not changed at all. He's still on his throne and he, he still is who he says he is. And he still does what he says he has done and will do in his word. So he hasn't changed any, but circumstances around us will change. But our part is to stay steady in him and continue to recognize that he's given us his very life. And it's our responsibility to now walk in that life. Not everybody around you will choose to walk in the life of God. They just won't. You can't make them. You can live a good example for them. You can speak to them when you have opportunity about the life of God and encourage them uh, to walk in that life, but you can't make them do it. But one thing you can do, you can stay true personally to Jesus and you can focus on him. Out of our difficult circumstances this year has come even greater depth for our marriage. 
we made a commitment New Year's Eve after our daughter told us Christmas Day that she was leaving her husband who was deployed in Kuwait. That was our Christmas gift. <laughs> no, it wasn't a gift. But that was the announcement that was made. And we made a commitment New Year's Eve that we were going to seek God and press into Jesus as a couple, as a husband and wife, like we never had before. And that unless there were circumstances beyond our control, we would spend quality and quantity time every day, specifically every night, praying together. And we have done that, and I tell you what could be said by some to have been the most difficult of our difficult year of our life has really turned out to be one of the most awesome years of our life. But it's because of making that commitment to seek him, to press into him, to walk in his life like we never have before. So we've received the gift of eternal life. We've received actually the very life and nature of Almighty God. That's what we've received. It's the Greek word zoe. We've received God's very own life when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. When you were born again, you received his life. And that's the life I'm going to talk to you about in these next few minutes. Uh, I actually used this notebook on purpose this morning because uh, I've, Probably it's a different notebook itself, but it still says the same thing. Uh, Leadership Training Institute, teaching, training, and mentoring disciples to be leaders. I want to help you today to lead a more effective life in Christ. I want to help you to be more effective as a business owner. I want you to be more effective on the job. I want you to be more effective as a husband or as a wife. I want you to be more effective as a parent or as a grandparent. And I believe the way we do that is by recognizing the life of God within us and then learn how to live out from that life. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. There's Four key things that I see in the church family, God's people overall in the United States today. Four key things that really concern me. One is too many Christians are not taught who Jesus Christ is in them. Well, that's not the case here at this local church. But across the board in the body of Christ in America... I see too many Christians who do not know who Jesus is in them. Jesus came to live in you when you accepted him as your personal Savior. Number two, too many Christians are not taught who they are in Jesus Christ. Not only do they not know who Jesus is in them, they don't know who they are in him. Thirdly, too many Christians are not taught what they have in Jesus Christ. Oh, my. Oh, my. We're so rich. 
And number four, too many Christians are not taught how to live the unlimited life that they received when they accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. So I want to talk about that unlimited life today. Look with me, if you would, in John chapter 10. Lots of places we could go. I just chose the places we will be going because I believe they can be tremendously helpful to us. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 9. John 10. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. These are the words of Jesus. And shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So Jesus gave his life. Jesus laid down his life at the cross. Jesus shed his blood so that we could have his life. He's the door, and by him men enter in. He is the life. There's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life, have zoe, have the very life and nature of God. The same quality, the same exact, the same specific life that God himself has, that's what Jesus came that we might have it. What we don't see yet is God's people, at least not straight across the board yet, aggressively living that life. <clears throat> I'm one that if somebody gives me something, I want to use it. Amen? I don't want to just leave a gift unused. We've been given the gift of life. We've received God's very nature. And now he wants us to live in it. He wants us to live it out. He wants it to dominate us. He wants it to consume us so that others can look on at us and see the life of God and want it. <clears throat> it wasn't until I got around Christians for the first time that I realized they had something I did not. And in my lost state, in my sin, I realized, wow, they've got something I don't want. Now, I looked like I had everything somebody would want. I looked like I might have the world by its tail. But really, the world had me by my tail. I saw joy. I saw peace in their lives. And I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. I had turmoil, I had fear, etc. So Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He didn't want us just to have life, but he wanted to have it in abundance. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Everybody say more abundantly. It actually means superabundant. It means excessive. It means very highly beyond measure. It means a vehement amount. 
And he wants us to have his life more than that. More abundantly. More excessively. The greatest amount that you could imagine as far as a number. He wants you to have that when it comes to his life. He wants you to have his life in abundance. John 3.16 is a scripture that most all of us have heard before. It's a scripture that when I first heard it, I couldn't quit thinking about it. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him, his son, would not perish but would have eternal life. I remember when I heard that scripture proclaimed in April of 1974, I could not get it off of my mind. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. And me in my sinful state, I could not stop thinking about God who I had believed since a little boy that he existed. And then I heard about his son Jesus that came that he sent to die for me to pay the penalty for my sin. When I heard that this God who I believe existed had a son that he sent to die for me, I couldn't stop thinking about it. This eternal life. God the Father wants you and I to walk in, to live in, and to live out his life that he's given us. He doesn't want us just to sit on it and maybe one day in the sweet by and by go to heaven. No. He gave us his life so that we could live in his life, and live out from his life. You've been around people that are believers in Jesus, I'm sure. They're born again. They have the life of God in them, but they're not yet living in that life. They're not yet living out from that life. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, while we're, we're still in John, let's just keep going. Right-hand turn, John 14, verse 1. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way. You know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know this way. How can we know the way? Jesus saith to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus and only Jesus is the way. Jesus and only Jesus is the truth. Jesus and only Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and he's the life of the Father. And Jesus came as the life of God and laid down 
his life so that you and I could have his life. But not just have it to one day go to heaven, but to have it so that we could live in it now so that others will want that life. Let me share a really neat story with you that just transpired. Out of my time with Rhonda every day now praying together has come a list of men that God has given me to pray for. It started off with, in those early weeks, just, uh, just a handful of men, names of men, uh, all people I've met or maybe not met yet but have heard about, but God could use their name and quicken it to me and make it real to me that I should pray for them so that they too might experience salvation and experience the life of God. That list has grown to 23 men today just through prayer and seeking God and God giving me desire for them. God's very interested in people receiving the gift of eternal life. Uh, I have people now that I pray for that when I started praying for them, and I, I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but people that I don't even like, or at least I didn't like. Now, it's amazing when you start praying for somebody, <laughs> things change. But I remember this one particular man, I won't name him, you wouldn't know him anyway, and um, it was very obvious to me the Spirit of God wanted me to pray for this man. He was to go on the list. And my first thought was, Lord, you're kidding me. I don't even like that guy. And on the inside of me came these words. I like him. I love him. I died for him. Well, there's no need to argue with that. Okay, Lord, I get it. I believe it. You died for him just like you died for me, and I will begin to pray for him. Well, I've got another man on my list that I've known for several years. When we lived back in Iowa for a season and we uh, remodeled a house and kind of made a new house out of an old house and made it <laughs> twice as big, um, there was a, a man that was a neighbor, uh, very skilled, very handy, and he did jobs on the side, carpentry jobs, and um, uh, he worked for us, and we hired him, and uh, so we were finishing the project, and he had done his part. He's all finished with it, and uh, rather than just give him a check, strategic planning here, rather than just give him a check, his last day he was with us, I waited and said, I'll bring it to your house. Why would I do that? I thought, you know what? I owe this guy $1,000. Before I sh give him the check, I'm going to share Jesus with him at his table with his wife. So I asked if I could come to their home and, and bring the check. Sure, yeah, come on over. And there they were. Before I handed him the check for the $1,000, I told him I'd like to share with him. I didn't ask for permission. I just said I'd like to share with you. And I began to share the gospel with him and his wife. Now, both of them at that time rejected the gospel. They did not receive. They did not pray with me to receive Jesus as their Savior. But I've never forgotten about it. Since then, his wife has passed away. And, uh, but I, I now have him on my prayer list and have had for quite some time praying for him every day. It's amazing how God will change your heart towards people and he'll give you his love for them as you pray for them. 
We were back in, in Iowa, what, three weeks ago? We've made a lot of trips to Iowa, believe me, lately. So we're back in Iowa, and um, um, I'm walking out of the back door of the house, across the concrete, getting ready to go down to the shop to work on something, a project. And a car pulls up. Actually, it was an SUV. And uh, normally, if an SUV would pull up at a time like that, I'd just keep on walking because it's probably some somebody that wants to hunt on dad's land and I don't need don't know the people I don't care if they hunt or not it's not my business to tell them whether they can hunt or not so but in this particular instance I stopped in my tracks because I just sensed this this desire to see who it was this guy gets out of the SUV starts walking towards me I still don't know who it is he's gained a considerable amount of weight and he's lost a few teeth thought I was in Arkansas we own a home there. We've lived there almost eight years. I can talk like that about folks in Arkansas because kind of I'm one of them, kind of. Uh, but anyway, he'd lost several teeth, and so we just got a few few teeth here and there. And, but he said, he said, hey there, and he made a comment about whatever, I don't know. I recognized his voice. He was one of those men I pray for. And it wasn't long, and as we're talking, Spirit of God is just all over me, and I begin to weep as I'm talking with him. Now, I'm telling you, I don't normally do that. <laughs> if you know me at all, I don't normally do that. Here we are. I haven't seen this guy for a long time, but I've been praying for him, and I couldn't be with him long now at all without weeping. And I called him by name, and I said, I'm sure you're wondering why I'm crying. But I made a commitment quite some time ago to pray for you every day. And I want you to know it's such a blessing to me to be able to see you now and talk with you. Here was his comment. Now, he's not yet born again. So here's his comment. Well, I'm sure there's other people you could be more beneficial to pray for than me. I said, no, 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 not so. My time spent praying for you is very, very valuable, and I know it pleases the Lord. And then he starts to cry. Here we got two grown men, one that's only got half his teeth, <laughs> and me standing there, both of us crying. He doesn't know why he's crying. Now, I know why he's crying. I know why I'm crying. So we kind of gathered ourselves, and I began to share a few more things with him, and he went back in the house, and... We came back this time, back to the farm on this trip, and my dad and mom both said, don't know what happened, but there's been an impact on him. He's not the same. The life of God, when we're willing to recognize we've got it and are willing to live in that life, and share that life will change the people around us. Jesus said it this way in John 17 and verse 3. This is eternal life. That people might know you, Father, and Jesus Christ himself, who you've sent. That's eternal life. Is knowing God. Knowing God better day by day by day. 
That's eternal life, is knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to know him more intimately. I'm going to challenge you to consider, as we now are in the final quarter of this year, I challenge you to consider doing something radical that you've never done before in the way of commitment to God as we prepare to start the new year. So consider it previous to the new year starting so that when we start the new year, you're right there ready to go with God. Consider making a commitment to him to do something you've not done before. Maybe it will be something like what Rhonda and I committed to do. Praying together every day. Quality and quantity time. That's, that was a little radical because our schedules are a little crazy. We made that commitment and it's absolutely phenomenal what has happened to us. I remember the time back in 2005 that the Spirit of God prompted me to receive communion every day. Now, I'm going to tell a little story about Rhonda. She's just the sweetest thing anybody could ever get to know and such an awesome wife. But I told her, I said, Honey, the Spirit of God's dealing with me about receiving communion every day. And she looked at me, and these were her first words. Well, that's awesome. I hope you don't expect me to do that. <laughs> just being honest. And I said, No, I would never do that. But we did share communion several times over that two and a half years that I actually did that. A commitment to do something with God that you've not done before that will change you. That song this morning and us talking about the Spirit of God changing our hearts and then moving us to a new place and a new day, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. 1 John chapter 5 and verses 9 through 12, it references that God has given us life and this life is in his son. All I'm doing is reinforcing what maybe you probably already know. God has given us his life and this life is in his son. Can we agree on that this morning? He's given us his life as believers in Jesus Christ. He's given us his life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life of God, and he who does not have the son does not have the life of God. That's what verse 12 says. 1 John chapter 5. He who has the son has the life of God. He who does not have the son does not have the life of God. Very simple, right? So we have the life of God if we have his son living in our heart as our personal Savior and Lord. We have the life of God. Okay, Romans chapter 5. Here's where I've been wanting to take you ever since we started a few minutes ago. Romans chapter 5. 
Let's begin our reading with verse 17. For if by one man's offense, speaking of Adam, Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. If by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of the one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were saved by his life, and we continue to experience salvation as we continue to walk in his life. We've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The only reason today we're right with God is because of what God had his son Jesus do for us. He paid the price so that you and I today could be right before God. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. And we simply have received what Jesus has done for us. Having received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, now we are to reign in life through Christ. That's the Father's desire for us. Not that we would sit on life, but that we would reign in life through Christ. Reign there means to literally rule as a king. There ought to be a distinct difference between believers in Jesus and those who are not. A distinct difference. Difference between night and day type difference. Those who have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We're now to rule as kings in life through Christ. Not in our own strength, but through Jesus Christ. Not as the king of kings, but he's the one who's the king of kings. We're to rule in this life that he's given us through Jesus as kings. Okay. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13. I want to show you something. Acts, chapter 13. Verse 44. 
And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So the whole city, practically, has come to hear the word of God. Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch, Antioch, and almost the whole city has come to hear him. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many, here it is, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about this ordination that's spoken of. And the Gentiles heard this. They were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. As many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. So we've got people believing. So those that believed, obviously, I'm not saying any, I'm not twisting this, those who believed, we could say, were ordained to eternal life. Amen? The believers were those who had been ordained to eternal life. Those who were ordained to eternal life believed. So we've got believers, us, most of us here today are believers in Jesus Christ. So we can say we have been ordained to eternal life. This is the big point, the main point this morning. We're going to look at this word ordained. You and I have been ordained to eternal life. Another paraphrase or translation would probably use the word appointed. But King James uses ordained. I'll break it down for you. We're believers in Jesus Christ, and we have been ordained by God to eternal life. Here's what it means. God has arranged it, and assigned you to be addicted to life. That's what it means. I thought a couple of weeks ago, I didn't do it, because I thought it might be controversial. A couple of weeks ago, I thought about contacting Pastor Mike and saying, maybe you want to consider taking out an ad in the paper, or maybe going on the radio and say something like this. Long-time minister and guest of Harvest Church coming to Norfolk on Sunday morning, November 4th, to talk about his addiction. It would have been controversial. 
I don't know if, if it would have been standing room only or maybe nobody would have come. I don't know. So I didn't say that. We've been ordained to eternal life as believers in Jesus. God has arranged it and assigned us or appointed us to his life so that we could be addicted to his life. Here's what happened. God, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, his plan at that moment that kicks into gear is that you become addicted to his life. What doesn't happen for too many Christians, they never find out that God has arranged it and appointed it and addicted you to life and are never taught how to live in the addiction. I realize we spend most of our time, and we should, finding out what people maybe are wrongly addicted to and getting them delivered. I've been involved in that process and have seen many people delivered from horrible addictions to drugs, pornography, whatever. But when it comes to the life of God, Father God wants you and I to be addicted to his life to where you can't get enough of it. That's what's happened to us in a greater way since New Year's Eve of this past year. The addiction has grown. And now, we've, it's, just, it's, it's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. We'll be someplace and we'll hear about somebody needing help or needing something. And it's like the, it just kicks in and we want to go pray. And sometimes you just can't do that. Excuse me. You're right back. We were just talking, and why are you leaving? Got, got to pray. It's that addiction. It's kicking in. Got to pray. Got to, got to, got to do something to, to help somebody. Your God, the Almighty God, has arranged for you to not only have his very own life, but he's assigned you to become addicted to his life. That's why as you read the word of God, you just develop a hunger for the word of God and you just want to read more of the word of God and, and you get to fellowshipping with God's people and you just enjoy fellowshipping and talking about the Lord. It's that addiction. But if you could know, like I'm telling you now from the very beginning, it's the will of God that you become addicted to his life and that this just grow and consume you. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way? Now, that's what happened to me without somebody telling me that's what was happening to me. I've become addicted to the life of God. I've become addicted to peace. I've become addicted to the joy of the Lord. I've become addicted to the favor of God with man. I've become addicted to... All the things that he's provided for us. So now let me finish by talking to you about 
how to walk in the addiction. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 that we're to fight the good fight of faith and that we're to lay hold on eternal life. It's a letter from Paul to Timothy who was ministering the gospel, ministering God's word to others. He's telling him to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Tell people you've got the life of God, now you've got to lay hold on it. You've got the life of God, now you've got to become addicted to it. Now you've got to live in the addiction and become even more addicted. Turn to Philippians chapter 3 and we'll, we'll see this spelled out in a different way, but it's, it's the same thought. Philippians chapter 3. Find that and then you're going to be looking in, in chapter 2 right after that. Philippians 3.12. Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. He's saying, I'm not, I haven't attained to all that God has for me. I'm not yet totally mature, perfect, but I follow after, he says, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. Christ has apprehended us. Now we have to apprehend that for which we've been apprehended of. What has been provided, we have to lay claim to. It's yours if somebody gives you a new car. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Gives you a car, gives you the keys to the car. It's your car. It's been apprehended for you. It's been provided for you. It's yours. But you've got to put the key in the ignition well, I suppose you wouldn't have to. You can push buttons today, I guess. <coughs> you better have the key. I guess you still have to have the key somewhere on you. It's been apprehended for you, but you now you have to apprehend it. If you're going to go anywhere in the life of God, if you're going to bless anybody with the life of God, you've got to lay hold of what's been laid hold of for you. What's been given to you has to be utilized by you. You've got to do something with it. Now, back in chapter 2, same verse, verse 12, 2.12. We were in 3.12, now we're in 2.12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. I love this. I love this verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. I didn't say work for it. Paul didn't say work for your salvation. He said work out your salvation. Salvation is in you. Amen? You've received the life of God. You've received the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness, abundance of grace. You've got it. Now work it out. 
It's in there. Now get it out of you. Do something with it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence for God, recognizing I'm loaded with the life of God. Now I want to work it out. Well, how do we work it out? How do we become addicted to the life that God has given us? I know you want to know, so I'm going to tell you. I'm going to share with you a summation that I believe God has helped me to see and come to after 42 years of ministering God's Word. It'll be 42 years this Thanksgiving weekend since I first began to publicly minister the Word of God. And after 42 years of ministering God's Word, after 44 years of walking with Jesus as a believer in Him, here's my summation. You know, when I first started 42 years ago, I was loaded with the Scriptures then. I mean, I had promises, Abe. I could tell you about the promises of God. I hadn't lived them yet. But I knew them. I knew what they said. And I'd just share with you and share with you and share with you and share with you. The difference basically is this. I've lived them out. I've worked them out. I've become addicted to them. Psalm 103, and this is where we'll close this morning. Looking at my iPhone clock, Rhonda. I know that ministers peace to you. Psalm 103. Very familiar scriptures to many of us. I'm going to show you Remember, there's, there's nothing complicated about me. There's other people that you'll speak to, and you'll get complication. You won't get anything real complicated from me. You won't get anything super deep from me. Here's the summation. Psalm 103, beginning with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 2. Here it is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Here it is in a nutshell. Don't ever forget the benefits of God. Spend your life finding out what the benefits are in the new covenant and don't ever forget them. Continually remind yourself and remind others as to what the benefits of God are. Find out what the promises of God are in his word and don't ever forget them. Remember them every day, day after day after day after day. Remember the benefits of God. Remember the promises of God. Remember all the promises of God. So your job, your responsibility, your 
awesome privilege every day is to remind yourself of the promises of God that are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. And if you'll remember the benefits, you'll work out the salvation of God within you and you'll lay hold to that which has already been laid hold of for you by Jesus Christ. It's, it's interesting what the psalmist says in Psalm 116. What shall I render to God for all his benefits toward me? What would I give to God for all his benefits? I'll tell you what you give him. Don't forget any of them. Remember all the benefits. Find out what God has promised you in the Bible. That's all I've done for 44 years, and now for 42 years of ministering God's Word. All I've done is continue to seek God and find out what He's promised me in the New Covenant and in the Old Covenant, because all the promises of God are yes and amen now in Christ Jesus, who lives inside of me. I live in Him. He lives in me. All I'm doing is recognizing what He has promised, and I'm saying yes to it. I'm saying amen to it. I'm remembering the benefits. That's what I render to God every day. I don't forget His benefits. There's not a day goes by that I don't <laughs> remind God of how grateful I am for his benefits. There's not a day goes by that I don't remind God how thankful I am for his life that he's given me in his son Jesus. There's not a day that goes by that I don't remind Jesus how thankful I am that he shed his blood at Calvary so that I could now be free from sin and have life with him. There's not a day that goes by that I don't thank him for his lordship in my life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't thank him for his kingdom that's within me, his rule, his reign, his government. I'm remembering the benefits. Forget none of his benefits. And as we live in that vein, as we live with that approach to his life, we're working out his life within us. The salvation of God that's within us is now going to be worked out of us. And that's where we need salvation. We need it worked out of you and out there where others can benefit. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for the privilege of reigning in life. And we see from Scripture how to do it. It's simply by remembering your benefits, remembering you, remembering that you've given your life for us, remembering that you have arranged this, that you have assigned us to be addicted to your life. And in that context, I believe it keeps us free from ungodly addiction. Heavenly Father, if there be one here this morning or others that do not yet know you personally, they've not yet personally accepted the gift of eternal life, my prayer is that they would recognize like I did 44 years ago, simply, 
that you love me so much you died for me by sending your son to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood so that I could continue to walk in your life today and that those that do not yet know you could receive you and also enjoy life. And then discover who you are in them, who they are in you, what you've done for them, and how to walk in this life you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe there will be people already this morning that are here. I believe you're not only receptive to this life that I have explained and shared with you, but I believe there's probably some already that realize what I need is to be addicted. I'm not saying you're carnal. I'm not saying you're a compromiser. I'm simply saying maybe already there's something that has happened on the inside of you this morning and, and you realize, oh, that's it. God's arranged this. He's assigned me to be further addicted to his life. And you're already ready to take it a step further. You could do it before the first of the year. <laughs> Why wait? I want to pray for you if that would be you. Now, if I don't have privilege of praying for you, that won't bother me one bit. I want you to know that. Because I'll be praying for you in the days and weeks to come. And I believe the Spirit of God will, will personally minister to each of you about doing something extra in the way of commitment above and beyond where you personally are. And that you're going to start the new year with a new fresh commitment to doing something you've never done before when it comes to this apprehending the life of God that's been apprehended for you. But there may be those this morning that already, yep, that's me. That's where I want to go, and I could just use a little extra jump start to get there. Uh, I am nothing less than a radical for Jesus. I think radically. I, I don't. The normal Christian life for me is not normal maybe for others. But I believe I could partner with you if you're ready already to take that next step concerning addiction. I wish we could have had that ad out there. Guest comes. It's been coming for years to share about his addiction. Are there those here this morning as I'm looking at you? Just nod your head if it, if you, okay. Here's what I want you to do. If you're ready right now, for a little something extra. Now, I'm going to warn you. It could be quite interesting. The change that could come in your thinking and in your desiring of God. It, it could be quickly quite radical, the things that you're going to want to do with Jesus and 
time that you're going to want to spend away with him in private. I don't know what's going to happen exactly. But if you're ready for a little something extra in the way of seeking him about this new commitment, just stand up right where you are. If you don't stand, it's not a big deal. It just means, you know, you need a little more time to think about this. But if you do, then I do also want to pray for you. Father God, thank you for these that already want to head in that direction with you of apprehending that which they've already been apprehended for. You've already arranged it. You've already assigned it. What you want is further addiction on their part to you, your life, and your benefits. So now in the name of Jesus, I join my faith, which is persuasion concerning truth that results in greater dependence on Jesus. I join my faith with these standards. And I say, Holy Spirit, have your way where addiction to life is concerned in each of them. Help them in their seeking of God. Help them in their looking to you. Help them concerning a fresher, more specific commitment to your life that you've given them. May the intensity of their love for you and their looking to you be multiplied in these next few weeks before the first of the year. And Lord, as they end this year, may there be a greater awareness on their part concerning your awesome life within them. And show them the specific commitment that you're looking for from them that you know will make the difference in them and that will cause them to glorify you on a whole new level. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes you pray more, sometimes you